Well, good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. I was a little short in Sunday school this morning that, that I got done about five minutes before the bell went off, so I figured I could make up that time during the during the service here and uh, have my brother-in-law and, and his wife visiting from Charlotte, and she said their their preacher never gets done before 1220, so I thought, you know, we're, 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 we're in good shape with that too, so... No, that's probably not the truth. Ken mentioned that there was a bunch of us men who got together yesterday morning for for breakfast, and I think we probably all ate a little bit too much, but uh, but that's uh, that's okay. God will forgive us. Uh, but uh, I found uh, this book that Allison got me a few years ago, uh, Christian you know, Christian Laughter. I found this that I thought I'd just share uh, to to get started here this morning. The Laws of Chocolate. I'm sure there's not hardly anyone in here this morning who does not like chocolate. Well, here's a few laws of chocolate. If you get melted chocolate all over your hands, you're eating it too slowly. And here's one that I know applied to uh, to a bunch of the men yesterday. Not necessarily with chocolate, but with some other things. Chocolate-covered raisins, cherries, orange slices, and strawberries... All count as fruit, so you can eat as much as you want. A nice box of chocolates provides your total daily intake of calories in one place. And finally, put eat chocolate at the top of your list of things to do today. That way at least you'll get one thing done. Todd asked me a couple of weeks ago, saying that they were going to be on vacation. I asked if I would speak. It's been been a while, you know, since since I've had the opportunity. But I always like to you know, take the opportunity that the Lord provides to uh, to share what God has laid on my heart to uh, to share with you. And uh, I appreciate Penny. I, I told her. Uh, Last week, I guess that that it's probably going to center somewhere around the twenty-third psalm, and and she's done a great job with with some slides there. And I do appreciate her for you know, for doing that. But I want us to imagine to begin. I want us to imagine a couple of things. Imagine a shepherd boy, young boy, out on the hillside, keeping watch over the sheep. Night draws on and. All the sheep are bedded down in a, in a place of rest, and that young boy is trying to go to sleep himself, trying to get some rest himself. He's laying at the at the uh, the door there to the to the sheepfold to protect the sheep. And I can imagine this young boy as he, as he's laying there, looking up at the sky, looking up at the the stars, looking up at the moon, looking up at all God's wonder and all God's creation. And how that was going to have such an impact upon him as his life continued. Tracing that same young man a few years later, he's called to go to war. He's called to go to war against a giant. A giant much more powerful than he. A giant that no one else in his country has the nerve to even stand up against. This young boy says, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. 
with God's help. And he goes out with a slingshot and five stones. And that giant falls dead before him. A few years later, this young man has been anointed as king over the nation of Israel. But the previous king is still in power. He finds himself on the run for his own life. He finds the previous king threatening to kill him. So he's hiding out in caves. He's hiding out wherever he can to avoid death, to avoid being killed by this king. Then a few years later, he does become king. Everything's going great. Everything in his kingdom is is just wonderful. It's prospering. He's won victories over his enemies. There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that this king needs. There's absolutely nothing that this king wants for. But he still doesn't have enough. He still doesn't have enough, even though he's got everything. He finds himself one day up on the top of his house, looking out, and he sees this young woman bathing. He says, I want her. Even though she's married, I want her for myself. And he goes in and to her. Adultery, eventually leading to murder. But God didn't give up on him. God forgave him of those sins and continued to use him. And then later on in his life, we see a grieving father. A father grieving over the loss of his dear son who has been killed. Even though he's rebelled against him, he still loves him. And he, and he shows the, the grief as he laments over this son. Of course, without a doubt, we know that all of these situations are talking about David. He was the shepherd boy. He was the young man who fought to Goliath. He was the anointed king on the run from King Saul. He was the victorious king who went in with Bathsheba. And he was the grieving father, grieving over the death of his dear son, Absalom. Tradition has it that David wrote one of the dearest pieces of scripture that we have very late in his life. All of these experiences certainly went in to the penning of these few six verses that I'd like for us to look at and to share with one another here today. So if you have your Bible, if you'll open it to the 23rd Psalm, very familiar scriptures, but scriptures that, that speak volumes about our Christian walk. Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before we continue, let's bow to the Lord in a moment of prayer. Precious Holy God, we do just thank you, God, for for who you are. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do watch over us. And Heavenly Father, we just pray, God, that you would just guide and direct these few moments that we have here together this morning. Heavenly Father, that you would just speak through your word. Dear precious God, I just pray that you would you would increase through this message and that I would decrease. Heavenly Father, that you would be exalted, that you would be magnified. And Lord, I just pray that if there be one in our midst this morning who doesn't know what it means to have you as their shepherd, just pray, God, that this would be the day that they would turn their life over unto you. And Father, for each one of us here, help us to gain strength. Help us, Heavenly Father, to, to gain understanding of what it means to follow as your sheep. God, just lead, guide, and direct throughout the remainder of this service. And again, we'll give you all the honor and the praise. For it's in Christ's holy and precious name that I do pray. Amen. The 23rd Psalm. You might be sitting there thinking, what else can be said about the 23rd Psalm? Again, it's one of the most revered, one of the most quoted, one of the most read scriptures in the whole Bible. As far as, as far as a, a, an entire passage, there's a lot of other single verses that we quote. But the 23rd Psalm, the whole thing, probably if you ask people, you know, uh, to, to, uh, tell what one scripture passage that they can quote, it might be at least part of the 23rd Psalm. But again, think about David, not just the Psalm itself, but think about David. As he wrote these words, think about the experiences that went into these words that he penned, these words that have been so powerful in so many people's lives throughout the years. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David lived in a time when there were a lot of gods there were a lot of gods being served by people. But David recognized, and, and look at those first two words. David said, the Lord. Not a Lord. Not one of a multitude of other gods that, that other nations served. But there was one. There was one God for David. There was one God that he looked for for everything that he needed throughout his life. I ask you to imagine that shepherd boy looking up at the sky, looking up at the stars. He knew, he knew that his God had created that. He knew that the mountains and the valleys and everything else around him was created by the one and the only true living God. Back 
several years before King David, Joshua, as he led the children of Israel, and we, we mentioned this in Sunday school this morning, but Joshua, as he led the children of Israel into the promised land, as he made one of the, the most famous of, of his speeches, in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, we find these words, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's only one. There's so many gods that try to get in the way this day and time of us serving the Lord. Money, power, prestige, family, church, all of those can become gods, but they're not the Lord. They're not the God that David wrote about, that Joshua wrote about. The one and the only God that we're called upon to serve. In that first verse, David went on and said, The Lord is my shepherd. It was personal. He didn't say a shepherd again. He said he's mine. He's mine. Very, very personal relationship. The same personal relationship that we can each one enjoy through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, sent for the salvation of our world that we live in. The Lord is my shepherd. I've used this illustration before. Some some of you have heard it. Some of you probably haven't. But there's a story of two Austrian explorers traveling through the mountains of Austria, And they came across this young shepherd boy who was out on the the hillside watching over his sheep, much like David was. This young Austrian boy was was illiterate. He couldn't read. They were trying to share scripture with him, but, but, you know, it was useless for them to leave a Bible because he couldn't read it. So they shared one verse. And the one verse that they shared with this young boy was, the Lord is my shepherd. Actually, not, not the entire verse, but just the first five words of that verse. They shared, the Lord is my shepherd. And they told this little boy, here's how you can remember it. Here's how you can remember, the Lord is my shepherd. So take your left hand, and each one of the words on, on, uh, in that verse, each one of your fingers on your left hand, let, let them represent Each one of those words, starting with your thumb, the Lord is my shepherd. And they went on through, you know, through their exploration. A couple of years later, they came back to the same mountains to explore again. And as they came back through the, through the village where this young man was, they started asking about him. And everybody was hesitant to say where this young boy was. So he went to the young boy's mother. 
And he found out that this young boy had died out on those hillsides from, from the bitter cold that he had to endure. And the mother said, I have one question for you. Nobody has ever been able to answer this question for me. Maybe you can. And they said, well, what is it? And the mother said, when we found him frozen to death out there on the hillside, his right hand was clutching the ring finger on his left hand. My shepherd. That little boy felt close, even in these dying moments. He felt close unto God, clutching that finger, clutching that fourth finger, my shepherd. He was personal. He was personal unto that young boy. I can't tell you the number of times over the past couple of years especially, but even before that, I can't tell you the number of times that I've found myself sitting, clutching that finger. Sometimes just unconsciously, not even realizing what I'm doing. Sometimes very consciously, clutching that finger. Because God is my shepherd. It's personal. And you know, there's another significance to this finger too. It's the ring finger. We've got a couple of young couples sitting here that are going to be married in the next little bit. Laura and George and Miranda and Curtis. This finger has very significance unto those marriages. It's the, it's the finger that we wear a wedding ring on. Not only is it representative of that personal relationship with God, but it's representative of that personal relationship with our spouse. Tradition tells us that there is a blood vessel. I don't remember if it's a vein or an artery. Maybe Samantha could tell me that. But tradition tells us that there's a blood vessel that runs from this finger straight to the heart. Straight to the heart. No other finger has that description. It's a personal relationship. It goes straight to the heart. A personal relationship with God. A personal relationship with our spouse. Mine. Mine. David wrote those words as, as he wrote these verses. He went on in the last part of that verse and said, I shall not want. He meets our needs. He meets our needs, whatever those needs might be. And in the rest of the verses, or at least in verses 2 through 5, I'd like to quickly go through there and talk about some of the needs that God meets that David wrote about from those experiences. First of all, he meets the needs of rest and security and peace. Said in verse two, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. David, remember, at one point in his life was on the run for, for his own life. There were those times when he had to find rest. God provided those times. He provided those caves. He provided th- those places for David. David remembered back in times of his shepherding how he had to lead the sheep to those places of green pasture. Places where the sheep could lie down and rest peacefully throughout the night. 
God provides those places for us if we'll just listen, if we'll just let him provide those, those places for us, those places of rest, those places where we can lie down, those places where we can get quiet and listen to what he has to say. Not only does he meet the need for rest, he meets the need for our daily sustenance, food, water. Uh, David wrote in these verses again, in, in verse 2 again, says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Food and water. None of us here, we've joked about food this morning. I dare say there's not any of us here who have ever been truly starved to death. We may think we are. We've been hungry, but we've never been starved to death. There are people in this world we know that are, but God's provided for us. Sometimes, maybe when it seemed like we didn't know where the next meal might be coming from, God made a way. God made a way and God provided for us. God provided for each one of us in his own special way. The sheep that David led, they needed green pastures for food. The shepherd found those green pastures. But it says he leads me beside still waters. You may not know this about sheep, but a sheep won't drink from a rushing stream. They're afraid. They're afraid to get wet because they get wet and they've got all that wool, got all that fuzzy wool on them. They get wet, that gets heavy, and they can get down and never be able to get back up again. So they're afraid of water. They're afraid of running water. David said, he leads me beside still waters. The shepherd had to provide for the sheep the places where he could dam up the stream and make a little pond for the sheep to drink out of. If he couldn't find those places, if he couldn't make those places, the sheep wouldn't drink. They would thirst to death. They would die. The shepherd provided. The shepherd provided those needs. Just like God provides. Just like God provides for us. Our daily needs. We take him for granted so much. We take God for granted so much, all the things that he provides for us. He sends the rain. He sends the dew. He sends the sunshine. Cause the crops to grow. He provides for our every need, if we'll just look unto him. David knew that. David knew the power of his God. Another thing that the shepherd provides that David realized that, that he was in need of was forgiveness. Remember in David's life, as he looked back over his life, he remembered that time when he went into Bathsheba and sinned with her. And God provided forgiveness. Just a few chapters over in Psalm 51, David also wrote these words. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may found just, you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David sought forgiveness and God provided it. God forgave him. God forgave David. And God makes that provision of forgiveness for us. He sent his dear lamb, his one and only begotten son, to be the lamb of the world, to die for our sins, for our forgiveness. A couple of other things that David wrote about, moving along quickly here, guidance, guidance. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. A shepherd was not a herder. A shepherd was a leader. God does not push us. God leads us if if we will simply listen to him. Comfort. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David longed for comfort when his son died as he pleaded, O Absalom, Absalom, my son Absalom. God God provided the comfort. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7, this was after David's son had died, after he pleaded for comfort. We find these words. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice, and from his temple my cry entered his ears. David cried out for comfort, and God provided it. And finally, protection. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. David was running for his life at times. God protected him. The shepherd protected the the sheep. At night, when they did lay down in those green pastures, the shepherd slept at the gate, the gate to the sheepfold, so no wild animals would be able to get in. He provided that protection that the sheep needed. Our shepherd never sleeps. Our God never sleeps, never slumbers, but he watches over us to protect us from the ultimate enemy, from Satan. As David wrote these words, he wrote these words from experiences in his own life, experiences that he had had. As we think about these words this morning, the experiences that we have each one gone through are all different. The experiences that each one of us have endured are everyone different. But if we've trusted in God, he's brought us through them. They may have been very difficult, but God has brought us through. They may have been times of rejoicing, that God has been standing there with us rejoicing. If we've let God be our shepherd. Again, God sent his lamb, God sent Jesus to be our shepherd, but we have to let him. We have to let him. We have to bow before him. We have to let him lead us. We have to listen to his voice 
as he calls out unto us. I want to close with, with this final, final story. Again, it's one that I've used before, and you may have heard it before. There's a story of a famous orator who is going to various different places speaking. And basically, he was just quoting well-known passages. He may have quoted the Gettysburg Address, or he may have quoted other well-known passages. And he went to this one place, and he always uh, took requests. He said, is there anything that you would like to hear me say, to hear me quote? And from the back of the room, there was a gray-haired preacher who stood up and said, do you know the 23rd Psalm? And the orator said, well, of course I know the 23rd Psalm. He said, would you quote it for us? And the orator said, I will on one condition. That after I quote it, I want you to come up and say it again. And the, the, the man agreed. So the orator went through and with his booming voice and all the, the, the eloquence that he could speak with, he quoted the 23rd Psalm. And he got done. And he invited the, the preacher up to the front. And the preacher came up to the front and he started saying the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And he went on through and he he said the rest of the 23rd Psalm. And there was a hush that fell over the audience. And someone else stood up and said, what was the difference? You both said the same words, but it meant so much more to us when this second, when this preacher said it. The orator stood up again and he said, My friends, I know the 23rd Psalm. This man knows the shepherd. This man knows the shepherd. That's my prayer for each and every one of us here this morning. That we know the shepherd. That we don't just know the 23rd Psalm, but we know the shepherd that the 23rd Psalm is all about. I'm going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to ask Brother Ken as chairman of the deacons to come forward as we have our invitation time. If there's a need in your life, if you need to know the shepherd, if you need anything that David wrote about in these words, maybe you need to come and pray. This is your time after we pray. Dear High and Holy Father, we do just want to thank you, God, for, for again, who you are, that you are our shepherd, that you are our redeemer, that you provide for us every need that we have, that you provide for us, and, and that you lead us as we listen unto your still, small voice. Father, just have your will and your way in the remainder of this service, and we'll give you all the honor and the praise. In the high and holy name of Jesus, amen.